0: Good morning, Park Church. As you have undoubtedly noticed, things are a little different this morning. Namely, you're not here. You're at home sitting on your couch or at your kitchen table or wherever you happen to have found us this morning. We are glad wherever you are, we, have, we are glad that you have found your way uh, to this video worship experience. You have to admit though, it feels a little strange. It feels odd not to be gathering together not to see one another face to face, not to be able to check in on how your week was, not to be able to share life together in the way that we normally do Sunday after Sunday. We can't wait for that to happen again. We can't wait to be able to open these doors, to fill these seats, to sing God's praises, to hear the kids running around. But until then, we feel like this is the right decision. We feel like this is the wise one. And it's the one that Jesus would actually call us to. This isn't about panic, this isn't about fear, this isn't about overreaction. This is about loving our neighbor as ourselves. The fact is we have neighbors, we have family members, we have uh, other people who our friends, friends, friends know who are vulnerable we feel like what Jesus is calling us to at this moment is to be good neighbors towards them that's what this is about it's about loving in the way that Jesus has called us to love and yes it's true at this time we can't get together for worship but here's the thing it doesn't mean that we can't worship together It doesn't mean that we can't pray together it doesn't mean that God's Word, what God wants to say to us, can't address each of us together in a way that speaks into our lives. And don't we need that right now? At this time, almost like none other, don't we need to hear what God wants to say into our lives? I do. And that's what we've designed our time for this morning. And so you're going to get to hear a message from Michael about peace in the midst of chaos. Isn't that something that we all need right now? Then he's gonna lead us through a time of prayer together. After that, we'll have some instructions on how you can actually share communion at your next meal with whoever you happen to be eating with. But before that, we're gonna enjoy a song together. It's a song that we do here on Sundays called So Safe Shall We Go On. It's a song that speaks to this moment really like none other." Now, it might be a little strange for you to sing uh, in your living room, and we understand that, but this could be a time for you to reflect on the words. They'll be up on the screen. Listen to the words, listen to the song, let it penetrate you. Use this time to open yourself up to what God might be actually saying to you now. Use this as a time to pray, to put your trust in Him as you prepare yourself for worship and to hear his word together and so welcome to this first ever video worship experience at Park Church. We're glad that you have found your way here.
1: shall repair. more profit can you gain by self-consuming?
2: Good morning, and, and welcome to our very first online Park Church worship experience. Uh, as I've been reflecting on, on my experience over this past week, um, I've, I've learned two things. Um, the first is that I touch my face a lot. I, <laughs> I don't know about you, but I've, I've been a little more uh, aware of some of my hygienic or non-hygienic habits um, and I've, I've discovered I guess what my wife has been telling me for years I just I touch my face a lot uh, so I'm, I'm I'm learning a lot this week but this the second thing though that I want to mention uh, is that I've I, I've been wondering a lot this week in the midst of everything that's going on with coronavirus uh, and school is shutting down and uh, daily life being impacted. This, this video being an example of that. Like I, I found myself trying to figure out how am I supposed to feel in the midst of all of this, right? Am, am I supposed to be nervous? Am I supposed to be freaking out a little bit? Uh, or am I supposed to be cool, calm, apathetic, uh, even poking fun at those who are nervous, uh, or should I be annoyed and frustrated um, because of all of the hysteria and everything that's that's going on? Uh, and uh, I, and I just want to say, like wherever you find yourself this morning, whatever your journey or emotional experience has been over this past week, um, the reality is, is when we when we're not sure how we're supposed to feel about something, that in and of itself can create anxiety. It can create a sense of uh, chaos and, and instability. And, and in some ways, that's probably the experience of many people in, in our culture right now, in our society, in our state, in our county, um, in our communities. Uh, things feel a little chaotic. And, and the question that I want to ask this morning, that I want us to explore, is how, how do we experience peace in the midst of the chaos of life? And I, I think this is a relevant question, uh, especially right now, but even, even beyond the coronavirus, the reality is we experience pain and struggle and hardship in life. And uh, what Jesus invites us to is, is a life of peace. How? How do we experience peace in, in, uh, in a life where we also experience chaos? Um, and to, to help us this morning with this question, uh, I, I want us to look at the life of a man named Stephen. Now, Stephen... Uh, we read about in the book of Acts in the Bible he's well known for being the very first martyr of the early church. A martyr is simply someone who has died for something they believe and in the history of Christianity Stephen is the very first martyr of the church and we again we read about him in the book of Acts chapter 7 uh, and and just for a little bit of context before I read his story uh, Stephen is described as a man of faith, a, a faithful follower of Jesus. And at one point, early on in the life of the church, uh, he is brought before the religious authorities because of his belief in Jesus. And what he does is he, he basically tells the story of Israel. He tells Act 3 of the story that we've been talking about the past seven or eight weeks. And, and he tells the story in such a way That makes Jesus the hero of it. Well, the religious authorities who are listening do not like what they hear. And this is what happens. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears, and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragging him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul approved of their killing him. I, I think that in, in the story of Stephen, what we find uh, is, is guidance for how we can experience peace amidst the chaos of life. Uh, the very first thing I notice when I read this story is is what Stephen doesn't do, right? Here in this story, we find Stephen surrounded by chaos, right? He, He had just given this speech. People didn't like what he heard, and they were rather upset about it. And in fact, they end up killing him. And yet throughout the story, we find this sense of peace in Stephen's spirit. In fact, at the very end of the story, we're told... Uh, that Stephen fell asleep. Now, if this were a graphic novel, Stephen's death would probably be described in other ways. But, but Luke telling this story wants us to know that, that Stephen, throughout this whole process, he, he had this peace about him, this non-anxious presence. And, and so here he was, at peace, surrounded by chaos, this angry mob, right? Right? And notice what he doesn't do. He doesn't run away. He doesn't doesn't try to get out of there, right? He confronts the chaos. He has the courage to stay and to speak and to be present. This, this I think, is something that's very important for us to hear um, because the reality is that it's very easy in life when it comes to experiencing chaos or pain or suffering or hardship. Whatever form your trouble might take, it's, it's easy to seek to avoid. It's easy to run away. It's easy to ignore, to sweep under the rug. Or, especially in today's world, it's really easy to distract ourselves or to even numb ourselves with with our devices. We have the ability to distract ourselves from whatever it is we are experiencing. Um, and yet the problem when it comes to the chaos of life is that if we simply try to avoid it, then it's not actually going to get any better. And it's going to exacerbate the the anxiety within our own hearts. There's There's this classic children's book called Going on a Bear Hunt. And, and the whole plot line of the story is this group of kids and their dad who are going on a bear hunt. And as they're going, they're coming, they, they come up to time and time again different obstacles. It might be a grassy meadow or a shallow lake or a forest. And every time they come up to something, they say, we can't go over it. We can't go under it. Oh, no. What is it? Those of you who know, we've got to go through it. This idea of not being able to go over something or under something, but through something, is profound. And and it's so much at the heart of what it means to follow Jesus. Jesus never promises us a a chaos-free life, but what He does promise, what He does offer, is peace amidst the chaos. But it doesn't come. We learned from Stephen. It doesn't come through running away, through avoiding. And it's worth asking the question, even this morning. Like, might there be something in your life that you find yourself avoiding, running from, uh, numbing yourself over? Um, might there be something that God's inviting you to confront? To be honest about. Uh, as we follow Jesus and as we look at Stephen, what we see is one who who confronts the chaos. Right? He doesn't run away. There's something else though that we have to notice when we read this story of Stephen, and, and that's that's this. Did you notice where he looks? Did you notice where Stephen looks? Here he is once again surrounded by this angry mob, right? And, and in many ways, he's, he's in a court, right? It's a, it seems to be an informal court, but there's a trial scene uh, at, at play here, and, and Stephen's on trial, and it's very clear what everyone else thinks. They, they think that he's guilty, and, and the penalty, therefore, is death. This is a very serious situation. Stephen is in the midst of chaos, And yet, he doesn't look at the chaos. Like, even even literally in the story, he's, he's not looking at the crowd. We're told that Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. See, Stephen refused to look at the chaos that surrounded him. And instead, he looked at Jesus. And it's this beautiful scene where really what we're looking at is two court scenes, two trials. There's the trial with the mob who's angry that Stephen refuses to look at. But then there's another trial scene. And as as Stephen looks up, it's as if... In Stephen's mind, that the veil that separates heaven and earth is pulled away, and he sees the glory of God seated on on his throne, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And the image that we're invited to have here is, is one of God being the judge, really the only judge who matters, and Jesus standing in the place of an advocate standing in the place of a witness, advocating on behalf of Stephen. And so, so do you see what's happening in the story? There's a crowd there, a mob, a trial, chaos, but he's looking at Jesus. And as he's looking at Jesus, he sees a God who loves him and is for him. And it's that, it's that encounter, it's that reminder of who he is as a beloved child of God because of Jesus that gives him this utter sense of peace it gives him this utter sense of peace it's all about where stephen is looking he's not looking at the chaos he's looking at jesus see the key to living a life of peace is not a matter of what you are experiencing but where you are looking. Now again, this doesn't mean that we go over or we go under the difficulties in life, the chaos that we're experiencing. In fact, it means we oftentimes have to go through it. Uh, so it doesn't get rid of the chaos. And yet, what that means is our internal sense of peace is not dependent upon our external circumstances, which is a gift that Jesus gives us and invites us to as we seek to follow Him together. We live in a day and age where there are countless places to look. There are countless places to look where we can try to deal with the anxiety that we experience, the pain that we're experiencing, the suffering that we're experiencing. And, and as we look in these different places, it's tempting to think that these are the places that will actually give us peace. Um, and yet, oftentimes, the places that we look are the very things that, that exacerbate or perpetuate the lack of peace, the chaos in our own life and, and in our own heart. Um, and so it's, it's a good question to ask, where are you looking? Like, when you're stressed out, when you're anxious, even in the course of this past week is you, like probably all of us, are just trying to figure out, okay, what's going on? How should I respond to everything? Um, where are you looking for that sense of peace? And, and what we find in Stephen is one who looks to Jesus and in the face of Jesus, therefore, encounters the grace of God, which reminds him and reminds us of, of who we are in Christ. And so when we look to Jesus, what we see is one who, who offers us peace by, by not avoiding or running away from the chaos, but actually confronting it. And, and what we see is one who, who offers us peace by inviting us to look at him, to not, not to look everywhere else that we can. And, and finally, what, what we see when we look at Jesus as Stephen faithfully followed him is that we see one who invites us to trust in a God who does some of his best work in times of chaos. The truth is is that God does some of his best work in times of chaos. Uh, The entire story of Stephen is meant to be a reflection of the story of Jesus, at least his death. Stephen was on trial, right? Jesus was on trial both by religious authorities. Stephen saw a vision of Jesus at the right hand of the Father. Jesus, when he was on trial, claimed that he would be one day at the right hand of the Father. Uh, Then, people drug Stephen out of the city to kill him. Jesus was taken out of the city to be killed. Uh, While being killed, Stephen prayed to God and he said, please receive my spirit. And then he asked God to forgive the sins of those who were killing him. Jesus did the same thing while he was on the cross. He prayed to God and said, God, receive my spirit. And he also asked God to forgive the sins of those who were killing him. It's like Luke wrote this story in such a way that when we read it, we're supposed to see, oh, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus because it's in the chaos of life sometimes when God does his best work. If, if he saved the world through the death of his son on a cross, then how might he want to work amidst the pain and the struggle and the hardship and the chaos that we experience? Not least of all, right now. Um, there's a great example of, of God doing some of his best work amidst the chaos in life. That comes from the early church. Just a, a couple hundred years after Stephen lived and died uh, between the years of 250 A.D. and 270 A.D., so about 20 years. There was a a massive plague that broke out in the Roman Empire, and this was a pretty a pretty devastating and deadly plague. It's it the sort of thing that makes the coronavirus look like the common cold, uh, and people were terrified. And this this was concentrated mainly to the big cities but but also spread throughout a large portion of the Roman Empire and and what happened is because people were so afraid uh, they fled the city in Rome people fled oftentimes leaving loved ones behind who were sick everyone fled the city that is except for this odd group of people there was this group of people who stayed in the city and who instead of simply looking out for their own well-being, selflessly and sacrificially cared for the sick who were left in the city. Christians, followers of Jesus, stayed in the city and they they ended up taking people into their homes, uh, people who were sick and, and nursing them back to health, sometimes themselves then getting sick. And yet this happened over a period of about 20 years so that at the end of this time, once once the plague had gone and left, uh, as people were returning to the city once again they found themselves asking questions like who are these people who stayed? Who, who are these people who, who cared for my mother when I left her because I was afraid? Like, who are these people who cared for my neighbors? Who who are these people, right? These are the questions that were being asked. And as a result, people began to come to Jesus. People began to believe the gospel because they saw it embodied. They saw the self-giving love of God embodied in the life of these Jesus followers in the midst of chaotic times. This is what we're invited to. As followers of Jesus, we're we're invited to, like Stephen, confront the chaos in in our lives. Whatever that chaos might be, whatever that pain or that trouble might be, we're, we're invited to, despite whatever the chaos is all around us, to fix our eyes on Jesus. To look to Jesus, recognizing that He is the source of peace and and we're also invited as we follow Jesus to to believe and trust that God does some of his best work amidst the chaos of life and and that he actually wants to use us for his redemptive purposes in this world in ways maybe that we can't even imagine and so with all that said i want to end with this this morning three simple questions questions for you to reflect on, maybe even discuss. And the first question is this, is there chaos in your life, whether externally, maybe even internally, that that God's inviting you to confront? Maybe there's something you've been avoiding, brushing under the carpet. Um, might there be chaos? in your life that God is inviting you to confront? That's the first question. The second question is this, where are you looking to find peace? Where, where do you find yourself looking to find peace? We live in an age of addiction, whether that be to substances or devices. We all find ourselves looking certain places for peace and what Jesus invites us to is to look to him and so it's a good question to ask like especially these days where are you looking for peace and the, the third and final question is this uh, how might God be inviting you how might God be inviting us as his people to be a peaceful non-anxious presence in the midst of uncertain times that this is a question that I'm I'm thinking a lot about and and I hope that you're thinking about too And at this point I'd like to invite you to pray with me um, and and after after I pray I also want to invite you to open your Bible uh, to the book of Philippians chapter 4 and just read verses 6 through 8 out loud and, and whether you're by yourself or, or with family or friends, uh, I then invite you to pray as well, uh, to pray for our community, for our leaders, for our church, for our neighbors. Um, would, you, would you please pray with me? Father, thank you so much for being good, for being, for being certain for being our source of peace. I thank you also for for Stephen and for the example that he set for us as one who who was willing to confront the chaos, as one who who looked to you and your son, Jesus, and as one who who believed that uh, you, Father, you do some of your best work amidst the chaos in life. Um, Help us to be reminded of this. Help us to keep our eyes on you, Lord. um, And give us the courage and the peace that we need in order to be a non-anxious presence in the midst of a time like this. Uh, we, We love you too, Father, and we pray in your Son's name by your Spirit. Amen.
0: Every Sunday here at Park Church, we celebrate communion or the Lord's Supper. It's a meal that Jesus gave us 2000 years ago so that we could remember and celebrate his death, his sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection for us. That's the heart of what the Lord's supper is all about. And so every week here, we break bread, we pour wine, we come forward, we dip and we return to our seats. Obviously we can't do that this Sunday, but it doesn't mean that you can't celebrate this meal at home, at your next lunch or dinner, wherever you eat. The very first Christians in the first century, the way that they celebrated the Lord's Supper, it was quite different than the way we do now. It was more like a regular dinner. It was actually more like a potluck dinner where everyone gathered together. And so you can think of your kitchen table, your dining room, your friend's dining room, this evening, this afternoon, as something like that. Take it as an opportunity for you to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Here's one way for you to do it before you sit down for lunch or for dinner, wherever you eat next. Open your Bible to 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 through 26 and read the words that Paul recorded there to help us remember this meal that Christ gave us. If there's a piece of bread at the table, uh, a bun, anything like that, take it and say, this is like the body of Christ, broken, for you, for us, break the bread and remember the way that Christ's body was broken for us. And then take a pitcher of any liquid—juice, wine, water, whatever it is—and pour it, pour it into everyone's cup. And say to them as you're pouring, "This is like the blood of Christ that's been poured out for you, shed for the forgiveness of sins." And take a moment before you eat. Before you drink thank God, to pray together, thank God for what he has done on our behalf, to forgive us of our sins, to free us from death, and to give us new life, and then eat together. It may not look like the Lord's Supper that we do here every Sunday, but it is just as That concludes our video worship for this morning. As you go about your week this week, whatever challenges you face, whatever fears, whatever anxieties are bubbling up, go in the peace of Christ. And remember the words that Michael mentioned, that Paul wrote as we go, rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. Christ Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen.